Hey guys, it's Marin. Welcome back to the Affairs of Stars, where we sit down each week to have open and honest conversations about mental health and other life topics. First off, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to all of you that listened to my first episode and sent me some really useful feedback. It really means a lot, and it's always welcomed. So with finals week coming up for a lot of people, I was thinking what better topic to talk about than stress. Finals week can be super stressful for a lot of people. So let's go ahead and dive right in. We've all had stress at one point or another, so how exactly do we manage it? There's two types of stress. There's negative stress and positive stress. I think a lot of the times we focus so much on the negative types of stress that we forget about the positive stress. Positive stress is actually there to motivate us to do things. Without a little bit of positive stress, we wouldn't get anything done at all. So that's one important thing to know about stress, but the stress that we're going to be talking about is the negative stress. Negative stress is a lot like trash. It will pile up and take over literally everything in your life if it's not disposed of properly. In this episode, I really want to dive into the inner workings of stress and look at strategies to how we can lower stress levels. But what is stress exactly? What is that negative stress we're talking about? So stress is a negative emotional experience that includes cognitive changes, behavioral changes, and even physical changes. It usually occurs in response to a stressor. Um, The stressor is just the event itself. But stress occurs when the event is appraised to be stressful. That's why some people can work themselves to death and never be stressed and just really enjoy the process. And other people get stressed really easily. So when we see a situation and we think about it in our head cognitively, we will decide if it's a stressful experience or not. And we do that through appraisal. The first one is primary appraisal. So we'll look at the event and decide if it can cause damage or if it has caused damage to us. And once we determine that the situation could cause damage or could cause a negative experience, the little alarms in our brain start to go off saying to avoid that situation. And then we go into secondary appraisal, which is we decide if we have the resources to cope with that stress. And when we don't seem to have the resources to cope and we see the event as causing a lot of damage, that's when we start to get really stressed. When people see an event and view it as like a challenge or some type of motivator, it usually doesn't make them as stressed because they don't see it as damaging and they feel like they have the resources to cope with it. They feel like the event is within their control. So that's why some situations are more stressful than others. But what exactly makes stress stressful? What makes some situations so much more stressful than others? So I've come up with just a short little list of some of the things that make an experience stressful. So the first one is that it's a negative event. It could be a loss, a fear of a grade, Uh, anxiety of a social event, any type of thing that you view as a negative event is going to make it stressful. The second one is that it's uncontrollable or unexpected. When we plan for something to happen, it's a lot less stressful because we know that we can anticipate it and we know what the outcome is likely to be. But if it's beyond our control or something super unexpected, it can really heighten those stress levels. The third one is that it's ambiguous. So you can't really figure out what the problem is. Maybe you're just feeling like an overwhelming sense of chaos and you can't really figure out the problem. Or maybe you've just lost a job and you can't figure out how to get a new one yet. It's just something that is really ambiguous and you can't really get down to the root of the cause very fast. The fourth one is overload. 
So lots of times we do way too many things at once and they're just really small stressors, just the daily hassles and they can add up. That's why when you hit your hip on the counter when you're having a bad day, it's so much worse than when you hit your hip on the counter and you're having a good day. And why is it that I always hit my hip on the counter when I'm having a bad day? Anyways, the fifth one that I have is that stress is a lot more stressful when it impacts a central part of your life. If an event comes and just kind of impacts the peripheral side of your life, something you don't interact with that often, if it doesn't really inconvenience you, it's not going to be as stressful as an event hitting you where you interact with it a lot. So like your family, your friends, maybe your job, that's going to be a lot more stressful because you can't really avoid it and it just fills up your whole mind with it. And I also want to point out that you can have stress without the stressor. Like you can anticipate stress or anticipate a stressful event and be stressed about it before it actually happens. Kind of like anxiety. So maybe for a test, a test coming up and you're really stressed about the test, you don't have to have an event actually happen yet to be stressed. I think that as a society, we place so much emphasis on being productive and being busy and that that stress has kind of become part of who we are as a society. We just kind of accept that all of us are stressed out and all of us are really busy. But we don't really consider the long-term effects that stress can have. Chronic stress can make you have a high blood pressure, have heart issues, immune system problems. That's why you always get sick during finals week or when you have a big presentation. Chronic stress can also lead to depression, other mood disorders. It can actually cause damage to the neurons in your hippocampus and your brain, which will lead to memory and concentration issues. Long-term stress also affects your weight, either increasing weight or decreasing in weight. Chronic stress can actually be passed down through your children. So if you are pregnant and you're really stressed, that high cortisol levels can actually be transmitted through your DNA into your child, which is really crazy, but it's a real thing. I'm about to get a little bit nerdy here for a second, but chronic stress can affect you at the cellular level. So at the end of your chromosomes, there's a little stretch of DNA. It's called telomeres. And telomeres protect the ends of your chromosomes. So when your cells divide and replace themselves, they don't get damaged, basically. But it's been shown through studies that chronic stress actually shortens your telomeres, which can decrease your lifespan and cause early aging. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But having long-term stress also means you're more likely to be unhappy and socially isolated, and your body may not recover as fast from smaller stressors, and it will stay at a baseline that is a lot higher stress than just a normal, a normal body level. I feel like I'm saying stress so often that stress doesn't really seem like a real word anymore, so I'm going to move on. But stress and procrastination are something I wanted to hit on too because procrastination totally adds to stress. I have looked at a like long list of things I have to do and I've coined this the stress nap. So just taking a nap when you know you have lots of things to do because why not? And you think that you're just kind of like avoiding things for now or you'll do it later, but that just adds to your stress levels over time. Another type of procrastination that I think is actually really funny is productive procrastination. 
So that's when you know you have to study for a huge test, but instead you decide that it's more important that you just completely deep clean your room or reorganize the kitchen instead of studying for that test. And so you're still kind of being productive, but you're really not doing what's important on the list. You're just picking all these minor tasks to do instead. But I came across this article and it talks about four different types of procrastinators. So I thought it was really interesting. Um, You can listen and see if any of these are you, if not all four of them. So the first one is the performer. So this is the people that say, I work best under pressure. But the problem is that you actually don't work your best under pressure, no matter how much you think you do. And the deep-rooted issue with this one is perfectionism and the problem with getting started. The person wants to do the project as close to deadline as possible because then you can have the excuse of, oh, I barely had any time to do it. Um, So the fix for that one is to set start dates instead of end dates. And I think that's super helpful because when you write down on, on your calendar that you have something that day, like a project due that day, and you don't really look at it until it's that day, and then you're definitely going to be stressed. But if you count back a couple days and just kind of put a reminder to start that and you actually do it because you actually have to do it then it's a it's a lot more manageable and you have time to do it the second one is the self-depreciator so this is a person that is a huge procrastinator but then always falls into saying oh my gosh why am I so lazy I can't do anything and you're just really hard on yourself for not being productive but that leads to just not being productive at all because you're just talking down to yourself and you're not giving yourself that self-compassion and a break to recharge and actually get started on the things you need to do. So for this one, it's really good to give yourself positive self-talk and just just be nice to yourself. The third one, the third type of procrastinator is the overbooker. The person that says, I'm always so busy and is adding way too much to do to their calendar and always has to be doing something and lots of people do this to avoid something deeper to avoid either sitting with emotions or avoid feeling like a failure if you take time to just sit down and relax and a lot of people think that sitting down and watching Netflix is just a lazy thing to do or it's you know unproductive but it's actually I'm trying to think of the right way to say this but it's actually productive to take time to rest and it's not just being lazy you need that time to rest and recharge you need time so instead of just filling up your schedule minute by minute the whole entire day to think about what are you avoiding by filling up that schedule and making sure you have breaks and making sure that you do what's most important and have the ability to say no to people when you're too busy the fourth type is the shiny object seeker I think that's a really funny name. But this is a person that thinks of a good idea and then will just neglect all the other tasks and get behind on them to do this good idea. But once you get started on the good idea, then you burn out quickly. And then you realize that you're way behind on all the tasks that you put aside for this really good idea. So something to fix that is to really follow through with the completion of an idea and not just jump from task to task. So write down good ideas but don't do them until you know that you have time to and you have time to complete them and that you're finished with all of the other tasks and ideas that you already set. 
I just thought those four types of procrastinators are so spot on because I've seen every single one of those people in my own life and my friends' lives and my roommates' lives. We've all been there. But I just want to take a quick break because I'm actually losing my voice. So I'm going to get some water and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. So how do we reduce stress and stop procrastinating? Because they're definitely interlinked. If you stop procrastinating, your stress levels are going to go down quite a bit. Procrastination is kind of just a fear of failure or just plain boredom. We don't want to do the tasks that are boring, even if it's an easy one. So we'll put it off so we don't have to do it. But that will just build up our daily hassles and create more stress. So something that we can do to lower those levels of stress is to attach tasks together. So for example, if you have to clean your room or do the dishes, maybe listen to a good podcast or book on tape while you do it. Just pair something unstimulating with something stimulating. Another way to decrease procrastination is to take mini breaks. There's something called the Pomodoro Technique. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but basically you set a timer for 20 or 25 minutes and you just work on a single task for that amount of time. And when the timer's up, you take a five minute break and just completely remove yourself from that task, take that break, and then go back into that 20 minutes of focusing on that task only. And the trick with this is that during that time, you just devote all of your attention and focus onto that one thing. But you also have those breaks, so it helps you actually get things done and not spend so much time being distracted. This next idea, I've seen a lot of conflicting opinions, and that's the one where you assign tasks from most important to least important. And where it conflicts, I've seen some people say, start on the easiest task first, but then I've also seen it where you're supposed to start on the most important or the hardest task first. So I guess it's really up to you. For me personally, I like to rank my tasks in order of the most important to least important because I feel like once I just get those hard tasks out of the way, I'm a lot less stressed and I have a lot more motivation to do the smaller things. And then I know that even if I'm having a bad day, as long as I get the most important ranked ones, like the one, two, and three done, then I don't have to worry about the other things because they're they're not due that day or it's not something super pressing. Um, another thing is just to find hours that you work best. Some people work really well at night. I think I've spent a lot of my time telling myself that I need to be a morning person like everybody else and I need to be up at the crack of dawn to be successful. But for me, I feel most creative, most inspired, and most more focused at night. So that's the time I work best. And I think everybody has a different time. Um, but yeah, find your hours that you can focus best. Maybe that's the middle of the day. Maybe it's right in the morning. And do your important tasks at that time. Moving on from procrastination, though, another place that stress comes from is when you are reaching the end of the day and you look back on your day and just think, where did my time go? I woke up and I did one thing and then now it's bedtime. And that can be super stressful because you literally don't know why you don't have enough time to get the things done that you need to do. So something I think that can really help with this is to wake up and write down every single thing you do that day. Everything, no matter how small it is. It can seem really mundane and 
kind of a tedious thing to do. But once you write down every single thing you do that day, I think you'd be surprised to find where the gaps are and where you're spending a lot of your time that you don't account for it. And that's when you can go back in and just kind of set your priorities more straight and figure out what you need to eliminate to have more of that time. Figuring out how to de-stress isn't easy though. It's not an easy task and I think a lot of the time we think that de-stressing includes just a warm bubble bath and some Enya music, but de-stressing kind of involves things that you don't want to do as well. So exercise is a huge way to de-stress. It lowers your cortisol levels. It's also good to plan breaks to recharge and do something that you enjoy during those breaks just to boost your mood. Going out with friends or spending time with family members can lower your stress levels as well. So lots of times de-stressing isn't just the time to relax. That's important too, but it's also going out and making sure that you have other areas of your life in which you're fulfilled and you're taking care of yourself. During periods of high stress, it's good to take back your control and be able to say no to someone if you have too much going on and set boundaries for yourself and for others. It's also important to change your thinking. Uh, Back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, the way you appraise a negative event has a lot to do with the levels of stress that it will bring you. So if you stop ruminating on the event and just take a more objective approach that you're in control of it and you can just feel it and then let it go. If it's in your control, make a list of things you can do, take that action. But if it's not in your control, just being able to think of it as a challenge or just a temporary setback can really lower those stress levels. We've all heard of stress eating and that's a super common thing to do either eating way too much salty and sugary foods, um, just eating way too much comfort food, or even just skipping out on meals to have extra time to study for that test. But you need to put your health first when it's periods of high stress. Don't give up sleep. Don't cave into different food cravings because eating healthy and having um, that balance leads to more energy, more productivity, and it'll just make you feel better overall. If you're trying to not sleep to cram for an exam, it's not going to be as helpful as you just get those hours of sleep. I promise you those four extra hours of studying aren't really going to make that big of a difference as a good night's of sleep will. Something I've found really helpful in my own life is to unplug a little bit. I do all of my school and internship and work online, so I am very much a slave to my laptop, and I can't really unplug from it that much, But it's kind of overwhelming to wake up in the morning and look over and just see my computer and my phone just going off with emails and texts that I haven't gotten around to yet. That's just a really stressful way to start my morning. So while I can't completely get away from my phone or my laptop, I found it really helpful to not look through my emails or reply to any texts before breakfast. So I'll just take a minute, you know, get up, do my morning routine, have breakfast, and start my day out a little bit more peaceful, maybe with the meditation And don't reply to any of my emails until after breakfast when I've decided that my day starts. This next way to de-stress might hit you where it hurts, but stop multitasking. You can't do it. It it doesn't make you get things done faster. You're not more productive. You're not saving time. Trust me. When you multitask, the time it takes to transition from one task to the other, it adds up over time. And you can't really focus on one specific thing 
while you're trying to transition back and forth. Either way, when you do two things at once, they're both going to get only half the effort. So focus on that one task, do the Pomodoro technique, and when you're done, give yourself things to look forward to. After a certain amount of work, go out to a movie with friends and leave all your work and stress at home. And don't feel like it's something that you have to earn. Like, oh, I have this test coming up. I shouldn't go do anything fun. I shouldn't give myself that self-care. Because that's just as important to de-stress and recharge as your work and as you're studying. Of course, there's the typical ways to de-stress. Go take that hot bath. Go read your favorite book by the fireplace. Having little hobbies and time for self-care is a really great way to recharge and de-stress and just focus on yourself and how you're feeling. Breathing techniques are great. Meditation is great. There's also something called biofeedback. If you have the opportunity to do this, I would highly recommend. Basically, it's kind of where you just monitor your heart rate, you monitor your breathing, even sometimes with a blood pressure cuff you can use. And you can actually train your body to change its biological and physical processes in response to stress so you can put that heart rate monitor on and find breathing techniques that can lower your heart rate and lower your stress levels something really cool i'm kind of a geek about that but if you want to learn more about biofeedback you can go ahead and look that up i think that if anything you take away from this episode though it's that lowering your stress levels is an active process it's not passive You can't take a certain amount of hot baths and time to be alone to lower your stress levels. It can definitely help, but to fight stress, it's it's quite literally a battle to change the way that you're cognitively thinking about things, the way you're framing the events in your life, the way that you're managing your time. All of those things are super important to lower your stress levels, eating healthy, exercising. It's it's all very active. And just a really quick way that something that helps me as well is when I anticipate a stress like I anticipate finals week to be stressful you write down the things that are going to stress you out the most and then you anticipate and plan around them so for example if I'm going to be busy with finals next week I'm going to meal prep this week and try and get ahead on some assignments so that the next week when I'm stressed I have these kind of like shortcuts to lowering my stress if that makes any sense. (laughs) Sometimes it's useful to take the perspective that whatever's stressing me out right now is not going to matter 10 or 20 or 50 years down the road. And this negative life event that's going on right now, even though it feels so important and like it's taking over your whole life right now, it's really not going to matter in the long run and you will adapt and you will push through that stressful situation. I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening. Take care of yourself, treat yourself with kindness, and I'll catch you next week. Love you guys.